friends, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and we are here to study with you this week in the Doctrine and Covenants section 109 and 110. We just realized this is the week leading up to General Conference. I know, and when we say we just realized, we really did just realize. Right, before we pressed record, (laughs) realized, well, this is the final block before General Conference. What is it about that? uh, Can you believe October's here? I should have noticed because I've been buying everything pumpkin everywhere I go. (laughs) That's the... That's, that's the sign. A, that's the sign the leaves, for me. The leaves turn colors <laughs> and you start buying pumpkin. No, unfortunately these days it's like the things, the pumpkin flavored everything happens before the leaves even change. That's true. And we were driving through New England this week and wishing that we were going to be there in a couple weeks because, oh man, the leaves were still green. We saw a few leaves changing to yellows and reds but not enough to make us wow at it but so we did eat we've eaten pumpkin chips pumpkin bagels <laughs> pumpkin cream cheese spread i'm a little pumpkin crazy ice cream. you had some pumpkin ice cream i get pumpkin ice cream every chance i get i'm a little pumpkin crazy but it is the best thing and you know the funny part about this sorry pumpkin <laughs> crazy here the funny thing is is i told myself i bought a bunch of stuff and because it was out and you know that it runs out and then they don't get it again so i buy it and i stuffed it into the closet and said i can't open this until october totally cheated but it's fine it's pumpkin so happy fall and happy pumpkins (laughs) and happy conference to you and whatever else you might be celebrating here as we head into october yeah so this is going to take us right into october and general conference so here we go and it's a great block sections 109 through 110 are of course um climactic sections in the Doctrine and Covenants. We've been building up to the construction, completion, dedication of the Kirtland Temple for months now. Well, months of our study. Uh, The saints of the church have been doing it for years now. Um, They've had revelations to build a house of the Lord um, for years and are finally there. They've completed it and they offer this dedicatory prayer in section 109 and section 110 is a record of the visions that come because of that. Now, we know that a lot of the content, um, a lot of the study helps that you may be using your study will probably focus on the temple. And that's okay because we noticed something or we thought of something a little bit different that came to us as we studied. And so if you'll forgive us just a little bit of license with this, Sections 109 and 110 are great places to study temple, temple ordinances and covenants and our relationship with uh, with the divine in the temple. But they're also a great place to study prayer. Section 109 is a prayer, but like all dedicatory prayers, it's a prayer given by revelation and then read. And that creates a really unique place to study prayer. This isn't a sermon on prayer. It's literally a prayer that the Lord has commanded to be given. And so if you wanted an authoritative um, perspective on what a prayer could be, uh, this is one of those great places where we can use this as an example. And so with all of the great things you can study with the temple, please do that. But what we wanted to do was um, ask some questions and study a little bit about prayer. 
So uh, maybe to kick us off, uh, verse 4, And now we ask thee, Holy Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of thy bosom, in whose name alone salvation can be administered to the children of men, we ask thee, O Lord, to accept of this house the workmanship of the hands of thy servants, which thou didst command us to build. Now, of course, they're praying for God to accept this temple that they've built. But we pray for God to accept so many other things in our life, our, our work with our families, in our callings, in our careers, in our communities. We work for, or we pray for his uh, hands to touch our marriages and our relationships with our children, um, to protect us and to guide us. And in essence, every time we pray, we're asking the Lord to accept our prayer. Uh, and then we pray and hope that he will um, grant us the wishes that we have, the desires that we have, and that he'll accept the gratitude that we offer to him. And so I think that's a great place to start because um, it changes our mind from prayer being something really quick and casual to prayer being something maybe a little bit more deliberate. A couple of years ago, there was a face-to-face -face with Elder Eyring and Elder Holland, and a question came up about prayer. And I was kind of surprised to hear both of them describe prayer. Elder Holland was quick to say, of course, you can pray anytime and anywhere. But there are special prayers when you really picture yourself as you're approaching the throne of God and you put some thought and some time and some effort into prayer. They referenced, I think it was President David O. McKay that would uh, kneel down in the middle of a room where he didn't have anything else to support him and he would think he would bring this prayer he was going to say to the Lord. There was time and effort that went into it. And uh, Elder Eyring um, called it this approaching the throne of God kind of prayer. Elder Holland called it that. Elder Eyring described it. And so I think there's a lot to be done in prayer that we could that we could do to put more thought and effort into our prayers, and into our communication with God. I totally agree with that. I think that more thought and energy that we put into our prayers, I think just benefits all around. I also think something that I learned from this study of this dedicatory prayer in this way, and this thinking of it as what we can learn from a prayer, is that there's not really rules to prayers. <laughs> I think we can, we easily put out formulas or we give ideas. I think that was the classic thing I taught on my mission was, here's how you pray. You say it this way. And certainly that is a great way to prayer, to pray. Um, but that doesn't have to always be the way we pray. And certainly as we mature in age and in faith, um, we're going to find ways that work for us to have our prayers be. Maybe we find different styles. We find different ways. We talk all the time about these learning styles that each person has. Um, you know, if you've spent any time in any sort of an education setting or education classes, there's always the different styles of learnings, learning for kids up to adults, that that's just how we know. We all learn differently. And I think that it's fair to say that we all pray differently. Um, there's definitely those formal ways that we should be pray or that we typically pray. But I think it's important to really explore that some more. And I think that's what I learned with this is just that, you know, it's okay if you repeat yourself. Joseph Smith repeated himself in this dedicatory prayer. Um, and just thinking about it more and learning from other people about their, 
the way that they pray, I think has been one of the things that has been most helpful for me is I don't think I've come away from a discussion, whether that was Relief Society or Sunday School, or even in a non-church setting, learning from people of other faiths, how they pray and what their customs are in prayer. I think I always come away with that, with a thought in mind of, I want to try that. That sounds really cool. I like that. That's a great balancing principle. There is not one right way to pray. And there's not one right way to make our prayer acceptable to God. I think it's a great balance to understand that God hears all prayers. He hears the quick rushed prayer that we say over our meals, and he also hears the gut-wrenching ones we say when we're in despair or in distress. But I was impressed at the end of this dedicatory prayer that there's a triple plea in verse 78, O hear, O hear, O hear us, O Lord. Um, And so maybe the way to phrase this or to frame this is these aren't ways that we can pray so our prayers are better heard or better answered by God because certainly he hears and answers prayers according to his timing and his desire. But they are ways that will help us deepen that relationship with God through prayer that will provide more strength, more peace, um, perhaps more answers and solitude to us as we pray. So here's our invest question, and it's a simple one. It's just, how can I better pray? Again, not so that God hears me more, so that he answers my prayers better, but so that I feel more in tune with him in my prayer. In answer to that question, the first thing that I noticed was actually the first verse, and that is, thanks be to thy name, O Lord God of Israel. Um. So pretty simple, just beginning with thanks. And then I think there's a lot of power behind that. Okay, I know we, we do that, say that a lot, and that is a great part of prayer. But we were talking a little bit about this before we recorded, and I wanted to ask you why that's so important. Why is that such a traditional, um, foundational maybe principle of prayer that we begin with gratitude? Well, I can't think of any... Um, well, for me, I guess I've just been thinking a lot about gratitude um, because of some of like, you know, I'm always interested in the self-helps and the the books and the podcasts about life coaching and all of that stuff. Um, and I don't think that there is a single one that doesn't talk about that, how important it is to when you're in any sort of a mood to begin with gratitude. Mm-hmm. It's always writing gratitude lists or... Um, or as you practice mindfulness, that you notice what's around you and be grateful for all the small things around you. I think for me, it just puts me in a place of reverence to the world around me, to the people around me, to all the things that work together to make the moment happen that I'm in. And also just the hum- the humility that comes when you recognize how much God really has done for you. I think that's a great point that gratitude and prayer isn't just thanking God for everything that we have. It's thinking back and thanking him for the things that we notice that he did for us. Elder Holland talks about that, right? That at the end of each day, he would think back through the day and ask himself the question, where did I see the hand of God in my life? It's a very deliberate focus on what did you do for me today that I'm grateful for? I don't know if that wasn't that Elder Iring. Elder Iring, yeah. Sorry, I meant Elder Iring. Okay. I, 
I was going to say to add to that, you know, I mentioned self-help or life coach podcasts or books, but I don't think there's probably a single apostle in the past years that hasn't at least at one time talked about that and talked about the importance of gratitude. So Uh, I found two principles that I think are kind of companion to each other. So I want to read them both together. In verse four, I already read, there's the plea for the Lord to accept this house and this prayer that they're offering. And then it's kind of almost as if they are, the saints are stating their case for acceptance. For we knowest, for thou knowest, we have done this work through great tribulation and out of our poverty, we have given of our substance to build a house to thy name. That, that the Son of Man might have a place to manifest himself to his people. Just as a side note, I think it was President Iring, uh, President Packer, getting all my names wrong this episode, <laughs> President Packer that said this, the Kirtland Temple was perhaps the most expensive temple ever built if you take into account the sacrifice. It may not be the most expensive monetarily. It certainly wasn't the largest. Um, but as far as what it cost the saints to build it, you know, a lot of them are building this temple even before they're building their own homes. And so they they explain what they have done. And I found that really compelling that in a divinely inspired prayer, the Lord wants them to describe their own actions. Now, there's a companion truth to this, which I'll get to in a second. Um, so there's a balance to this. But I think, at least for me, I have felt a great power come into my prayers when I spend more time in my prayer talking about myself. And that sounds completely wrong, but um, I have found a lot of benefit in reporting to my Heavenly Father what I did during the day, talking to Him about what happened. It helps me to reflect, and a lot of times it brings that gratitude that you mentioned, Krista. And then... I will talk to him about what I plan to do, what I'm going to do. And for me, at least, it's in that moment of talking through what I have done and what I will do that I feel inspiration come. As I'm describing a particular action I want to take or a plan I have for something, I will feel my thoughts being directed one way or the other. I will feel uh, a rightness about a certain plan of action or a wrongness or a need to adjust a certain other plan of action. And um, with all of the great focus we have in prayer on God, it's interesting to me that in this prayer, he wants us to focus a bit on ourselves, to describe where we are at. If prayer is a meeting of us and him, we should probably spend some time in prayer talking about us. And don't you think part of that is the beauty of the different types of prayers that we offer throughout the day or the week is that if we're praying with a group, we're not going to do that, but we get the chance to communicate with him one-on-one and really test out the waters of that different type of communication. So I think that's a really lovely thought. Well, and then in verse 10, this isn't yet the second principle, but it's a maybe addendum to this first one. Notice that their request of the Holy Father in verse 10 is that they ask him to assist them. Assist us, thy people, with thy grace in calling our solemn assembly that it may be done to thine honor and to thine acceptance. In other words, uh, they're saying, here's what we have done and what we are going to do. Will you please help us? Um, 
it's interesting that in prayer, <laughs> a lot of times we'll pray for other people or we'll pray that God will do something for other people. And we forget maybe inadvertently that God respects agency and that he won't force people to do things or not do things. And so um, we might pray, of course, for someone to listen to the message of the gospel, but God's not going to force their mind or their heart. He's not going to um, mandate that they listen to what we're saying. The only agency that we can really offer up to him in prayer is ours. And I think that's what this part of prayer is. It's me saying, here's what I'm going to do. Will you please assist me? Or will you please direct me? Or will you please tell me what I should be doing different? And I believe I've experienced that that kind of prayer is really uh, enlightening. Now, the companion principle comes in verse 44. And it's the second sentence. Help thy servants to say, with thy grace assisting them, thy will be done, O Lord, and not ours. I was really impressed. Uh, I've always been impressed with uh, Nephi, the later Nephi that comes in, in the book of Helaman. And his prayer and the promise of the Lord that comes to him that anything that he asks for will be given him. And I always marveled at that. And I've recently come to understand the reason why God is so confident and can give him that is because Nephi has gotten to a place where he completely understands the will of God and would never ask for something that's contrary to that will. Meaning he's only going to ask for things in prayer that God is already planning on doing or would do. And what Nephi is doing is just offering up his agency to God and allowing him to do that. Um, I think we have to be careful with this. Again, we ask God for a lot of things. Uh, and I almost laugh sometimes at some of the things we ask God to do that um, we know he's not going to do. For example, you know, please bless all those that weren't here this time, that they'll be here next time. Well, I have never had my entire ward show up to church the next Sunday after I've said that prayer. You and, haven't? <laughs> and we don't get upset, right? We don't show up the next Sunday and go, hey, wait a minute, not everyone's here. We, we prayed for it and it didn't happen because we know we're asking God to do something that we don't really mean him to do. However, it is different to say, for example, I know, Father, that you want me to be more patient. And so as I work tomorrow on X, Y, or Z, will you please help me to see places where I can grow in patience? And when I get to those moments where I need a little bit of extra patience, Father, would you provide me that patience? That's something that's in line with his will, and the only agency I'm asking him to alter is mine. So that level of uh, personal commitment matched with submission to God, I think for me at least, has been a beautiful blend in prayer. And a really good way to look at it, because I think that's one of those spots with prayer that gets tricky, that we're asking for something that isn't necessarily grantable because it is someone else. Mm -hmm. So it's an. I think that's a conundrum I always get to when I'm thinking about prayer and exactly how how those things work. Well, and it, it can it can make you um, second guess yourself in prayer, which maybe isn't the best thing. But it has forced me to be a lot more thoughtful about what I say in prayer, and I feel like I've gotten better at it. The more I think and ponder, what am I? What do I really want to ask Heavenly Father for? What is it I really want Him to ask? Is it in line with what His will would be? Is it something he would be willing to grant? And am I asking him to change someone else or am I asking him to change me? As I kind of ponder those, it's made me just a lot more thoughtful. And I feel my prayers have been more 
um, at least acceptable to me. They've helped me to feel more in tune with him. Yeah, I like that. Well, as we answer this invest question of how can we better pray, um, that we hope that you find lots more answers to this week as well for your own personal benefit. But the thing that I learned was after I listened to section 110, and then it talks in this chapter heading, the section heading, about the revelations that come after this that happen in the temple. And I just thought, you know, if there is one thing that we have learned or that we can learn from Joseph Smith about prayer is to expect answers. We learn that, we talk about that all the time with the first vision, and I think we see that over and over again as he receives revelation and as he builds the church and all, pretty much all the things that we've studied this this year in the Doctrine and Covenants, really, um, to know that we can expect answers. And of course, just like our prayers look different and our situations are different, all of our answers will come differently. And as we always say in the church, not just me and Zach, is that we don't have to have that first vision moment, or maybe we aren't going to have a manifestation in, in the temple. Um, but the answers can come to us too. And I think that as we pray, I think it's good to expect that to happen for us too. Makes me think we talked earlier about um, looking back on our day and reflecting on what the Lord has done. What you're talking about is looking forward in prayer. And um, I think President Eyring talks about this as well, that uh in one prayer, he will look back on the day at what has happened. But in another prayer, he will ask for specific things. And then he will look throughout the day for God um, to answer those prayers that he's asked for. And I thought, what would it look like if I don't do that? But what would it look like if I did? If I said a prayer in the morning and remembered what it was I asked God for. And then as it happened during the day, as I saw an answer or a response come, I... I stopped then and thanked God for what he had done. I think expecting an answer is a really powerful idea. So with all of that, for the connect part of this episode, we thought we'd give a little challenge for your own personal prayers, for learning a little more about yourself, is to try writing a prayer. Now, this is one of those things that I have tried not so successfully many times. For some reason, writing things out are hard for me because I think it just takes that extra step of writing things out, which is why the people that I have heard that write write their prayers, talk about it, it's life-changing. So I'm going to take this upon myself this week too. I think it's going to be really good for me. It's, um, yeah, I've never done it before. So I'm excited to take this too. Um, to try to do essentially what's happening in section 109, to seek for guidance, to write a prayer, and in that prayer to be cognizant of the different things that we've talked about in this episode and, of course, the things that you will learn in your own study. Yeah. Well, and as you talked about that last point of um, re- you know, looking back on how your prayers were answered throughout the day, um, I think this is a great way to do that, a great way to do a lot of the things that I think can really up our prayer game. Uh, I said it. I told Zach that's what we should name our episode. But Upping your prayer game. <laughs> well, to conclude, just briefly, you mentioned this already, Krista, but um, in section 110, the Lord answers this prayer. 
And I love the things that he gives uh, to Joseph and and, uh, Oliver, of course, but um, to church members as he answers their prayer. Verse 7, For behold, I have accepted this house, and my name shall be here, and I will manifest myself to my people in mercy in this house. Yea, I will appear unto my servants and speak unto them with mine own voice, if my people will keep my commandments and do not pollute this holy house. Yea, the hearts of thousands and tens of thousands shall greatly rejoice in consequence of the blessings which shall be poured out and the endowment with which my servants have been endowed in this house. Now, of course, those te- those blessings can be specifically attached to service in the temple, but I think a lot of them can also be attached to meaningful prayer, where the Lord will accept and manifest, appear and speak, uh, help us to rejoice as he pours out blessings upon us. I believe prayer has that kind of ability to connect us to God, to make us more aware of what he's doing for us, uh, and to open our minds and hearts to the direction that he has for us. So good luck with your own study. Thank you so much for being with us this episode, and we will uh, enjoy watching General Conference, and we'll see you next week.